you can only take two items with you to a desert island, which two items would you choose? That was the point I was glued to your speech. Did someone ask you a question like, where do you find this? Or how do you do this skill? You automatically know. A PowerPoint would have been a little bit more useful. Just listen for weird or unusual parts of the story to you. It was really educational for all of us and I think we all learned how to get people to engage with our speeches a bit more. Table topics is a way to practice impromptu speaking. So often we're caught unaware and have to say a few words about a topic that we haven't prepared. And table topics is a way to prepare as much as you can for being able to speak on the spot, especially if you're nervous and especially if you don't know what to say. It allows you to get over that panic. So in keeping with an open house, I've kept the, the topics very broad to try and encourage as many people to say things as possible. So why, what we'll do, I will read out a question. I will encourage people to put their hand up in the Zoom chat if they wish to participate and try the question, and then I will nominate somebody. If no one wants to nominate themselves, I will potentially try and ask individual people if they wish to be nominated. You only have to talk for a few minutes and we'll see how we go. Often we have a lot of fun on the table topics. Is, every, is that clear? Great, let's start. So my first question is, what do you consider to be your best personality trait? So what do you consider to be your best personality trait? So any volunteers to answer that question? Any hands going up? Roxana, the floor is yours. Sorry, Rakesh. What does it mean, personality trait? What does trust mean? Because you're muted. Sorry, you're not... a personality trait is just a, is personality. So you as a person, what do you think the best thing is about you? Okay, okay, okay. Let me let me answer. Mm. Well, normally people would say, "Oh, I am good at um, making friends." Or doing, yes, making friends. I am a very sociable person. And I think I like to hear, that is one of my um, big issues of, as part of my personality. I like to listen to people carefully. Thank you very much, Rosanna. Well done. My next question is, if you could only take two items with you, to a desert island, what two items would they be? So if you could only take two items to a desert island with you, what two items would you take? Who would like to speak on that? Anand, was that hand raising? Yeah. yeah, it was. I was just trying to figure out how to raise right. my hand. Off you go. Chat. But I think Shah has his hand raised as well. 
Okay. Could you repeat it again, Rakesh? Yes, of course. If you could only take two items with you to a desert island, which two items would you choose? If I could take two items with me and go to the desert island, so what could I do, uh, right? Table topic, Mr. Table topic master. That is correct. For me, I just took two things, book and my notebook, <laughs> diary. Because in my life now, in this pandemic situation, I'm just depressed to join lots of um, online meetings. And also there is, I, I cannot read, like I cannot try uh, give time for myself improvement every day, morning to night, three hours, four hours, I'm just exhausted. So I think that if you'd like to be a leader or if you'd like to improve yourself, the, there is no alternative way to without reading book. So read, if I take book that can help me to improve my uh, knowledge and at the same time, I can write a story because of I love to deliver actually a speech like storytelling and uh, sometimes because I, I all the time so I, I didn't have time to write my uh, first story so maybe I can have time to read and write and when I back and I can share with my friends and that can also help me because of, uh, I, I believe that without reading, we cannot do actually, that, that is my point. And yeah, at the same time, would you, do you think you take food? Yeah, of course, that is not, that is different because of uh, food, without food, we, 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 can, we can survive. But, uh, but I think that without reading or without taking a note, it's not possible. I cannot, uh, I cannot pass my time. So that's why I want to say that book and my diary. Back to you, Toastmaster, uh, Table Topic Master. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Okay. The, on to question number three. The UK has more domestic pets per capita than almost any other country in the entire world. So the question is, do you prefer dogs or cats? Are you a dog lover or a cat lover and why? Who wants to take that one? Anand, I saw your hand <laughs> wave up. Yeah, I've also put the reaction. Um, thank you, Rakesh. Um, what do I prefer? Or whom do I prefer? Dogs or cats? If you'd asked me the question um, two years ago, I would have definitely said dogs because growing up, my granddad had a dog. And uh, when I was growing up, my granddad has a dog. And even though I was a bit afraid of the dog, I used to see, the, see him um, every day. And just, I was used to been around dogs but cats I never been um, like a meter more than a, closer than a meter um, near a cat 
But last summer in 2020, I had an experience which I don't want to say it's life changing, but it definitely changed my attitude towards animals and um, life and cats to be specific. Because um, somehow, I'm not going to get into the details, but somehow a kitten, an injured kitten, landed up on my car porch in, when I was in India. And it was quite injured. And uh, the, I spent the entire day and the evening trying to take care of it. And um, the, next, the next morning, unfortunately, the, the kitten had passed away. But it really hit me in the heart. And um, that, that event, that entire experience, changed my attitude towards cats. And I think kittens are the, are the cutest things in the world <laughs> now. Earlier, it used to be puppies. But I still find puppies cute, for sure. But kittens, um, I have a whole new appreciation for cats and uh, for cat lovers as well. Thank you. Oh, what a lovely story, Anand. Okay, ready for question number four? So, name one person in your life that inspires you and say why. Name one person in your life that you find inspiring and tell us why. Who would like this one? Eugene, do you want to take this one? Sure. Uh, can you repeat the question then? Can you repeat yeah. the question again? My audio the question is, name one person in your life that inspires you and tell us why. Hmm. One person that inspires me. I see Anthony's hand as well. What was that? Anthony? Who had the hand? Oh, Anthony, if you want to take this one, go right ahead. Thank you. Uh, thank you for giving me an opportunity to, to choose uh, the one person who inspires me a lot. I'll say my mother. The reason why I say my mother, because of the life experience we had sometime back in our country, there were tribal clashes, it, it boiled over. In the neighborhood, people were being killed and uh, we had to evacuate as refugees. And during that time, we were at home with our mother alone. Our dad had, uh, our father had gone to business entity. And what she did, she saved our life and uh, she said, just dress in the clothes you can put on, then we had to migrate to the neighboring country. And then from there, life changed. You lose the entire property at home, you go as refugees, you start afresh. What happened that she used to work hard, make sure that she could produce, uh, she could work errands to offer food for us so that we could not starve. And uh, up to now, she has been an inspiration in our home because all of us, we regained our livelihood. We, we, she made sure we gained education. And right now, we have so to me, my mother is my inspiration because uh, through her, we have become who we are as a family. Thank you. Thank you, Anthony. Thank you, Anthony. What an inspiring woman. Right. Okay, let's move on. Name two things that you look for 
in a friend. Name two things that you look for in a friend. Natalia, was that your hand up? No. All right. Anyone who would like to take on this table topic? Anybody? Oh, Natalia, is this your hand up now? Okay. Do you want to unmute yourself? Yeah, I'll just, uh, I'll, I'll go ahead and take this one. Um, okay, well done. So, uh, yeah, two things that I look for in a friend. I think the first one that's really important to me is authenticity. Um, it's, I am, um, I think we all remember in high school or I mean, even now, maybe at university, this or some of this, but, you know, especially in high school, you'd have the popular kids and the not popular kids. And it creates this really weird dynamic and just the most toxic thing I've ever experienced. Um, and in my school, it wasn't even that bad compared to what I've heard happening in other schools. Um, so whatever that trait that it is in people to act that way, I absolutely avoid. So authenticity, probably is the opposite of that so I like that and um, I've had good success with uh, with that finding people who are more themselves I like that a lot and I think the other one as well is ambition um, so there's this general rule that you are the average of your five closest friends I mean that's not why I like ambition but it just adds it just kind of validates that way of thinking as well so uh, if I have ambitious friends and they want to you know, do cool things, then I will be, um, I'm more likely to absorb that energy and I'll start doing cool things. So that's the two most, two things that um, I like seeing people, you know, people who have that ambition, have that drive and are themselves. Thank you. Great, I love it. Thank you, Natalia. Okay. This is a nice, this is a nice one. So if you had a genie, the good old genie table topic question that could grant you three wishes. You can't wish for more wishes. Tell me two of the three wishes that you would wish for. If you could have anything you like granted. So if you had a genie that could grant wishes, you can't ask for more wishes. Give me two wishes and why. Who wants to take that one? That's a nice, easy one. Come on, somebody must want to take that one. Francesca, would you like to try that one? Um, sure. Um, I think as a first wish, I would probably like to be lucky. I think it's uh, nice to be lucky. Um, yeah, in the everyday stuff, I think it's nice uh, to have luck in the small things. And um, because I was thinking at the, at the very beginning that it'd be nice to be successful, but then I guess um, if, you, if, you know, you, if, if you know that your success comes from a wish um, that you ask the genie for, then I guess it can make you self-doubt yourself. But I think if you're lucky in the small things that build up to something bigger in the future, that kind of melts better within life. 
Um, but second wish, um, I'm not sure. I always, I would always go for more wishes because I think that's the smartest thing to do. But unfortunately, it's not allowed this time. Um, so. I'm not sure, maybe right now I would wish that I had more ideas as to how to answer this question. <laughs> That's um, a good wish. Yes. Um, so, yes, if it was right now, that would be my second wish. Okay. So, um, why don't we have two more questions? Is that, do we have time for that, Chuka? All right. Harry? I want you to answer this one. It's a nice, easy one, don't worry. All right. Tell me, what are the first three things you do when you wake up? Um, probably go on TikTok, get breakfast, and then go to the gym. There we go. <laughs> All right, what do you eat for breakfast? Wait for breakfast. Um, it depends, really. Like a bit of Weetabix with some uh, bananas in it. Uh, eggs, a bit of eggs on toast. Uh, like my smoothies as well, banana and raspberry smoothies. Uh, yeah, that's the standard. Okay. <laughs> Thank you very much, Harry. No worries. One more question. So who... Who have we got? So let me tell the question and then we'll see who, who wants to answer this. And ideally one more of the guests. So what is the scariest movie that you have seen? And why? So who would like to take that? Maybe. I can go ahead. Oh, Zane. Yeah, so the scariest movie that I ever watched. So I'm not a big fan of horror movies because I get scared uh, exactly. But uh, but also like when I was a kid, there like a couple of my friends used to watch horror movies, and one of the movies was, it's a it's a Bollywood movie, but uh, it it scared like it was really scary. Like uh, and uh, and the thing was that the other friends used to prank with based on that movie. So that that scared like at night you you would you would be sleeping and and they would just suddenly come out of the bed and then they they would create a, uh, create some some create a big mess and that would that would be scary a bit yeah so it's just not the movie but also the situation that the friends used to create back in the school and those days so the the movie's name was like thirteen B something like that yeah. Okay, very nice. Thank you for thank you for contributing. So thank you so much, our present Toastmaster Chuka and fellow Toastmasters and dear guests. Welcome to the meeting. Today I'll be providing my evaluation on the table topics speakers. Today uh, we had eight table topic speakers. I'll be starting one by one. First we had guest uh, Roxana with us, wherein her topic was, what is your best personality trait? And she talked about two things, listening carefully and making friends. That is indeed a good trait, Roxana. A few couple of things uh, that I want you to work on is, if you can speak for a bit more, 
duration. I think that would be in the best interest because there is a minimum time limit that we all have to follow. Okay. And if you could explain how this particular trade helps you in your day-to-day -day life, that could be much more impactful for all of other guests and the Toastmasters to understand how this particular trade and is helping you out in your day-to-day -day life so that we all can implement the same in our lives as well. Second on, uh, we had a Toastmaster Sharia since he is um, he's not there. I'll skip him. Third, we had Anand with us. His topic uh, was, do you prefer dogs or cats? Great storytelling, Anand. I love the way you spoke on this particular topic. You covered, you started your journey with two years ago. If you could have asked me, that was the point I was glued to your speech. Okay, that is a great way to start a table topics and a great way to start a story. Then you moved on to your granddad. Okay, that was indeed a, a good topic or a good a good content, a good start to your speech because when you when people relate to relatable topics or relatable experience, personal experiences, people tend to hear more. Okay, so that is the best part of your speech. Uh, a few things that I believe you could work on is if you can summarize at the end of your speech, if you can summarize the entire thing in a, in a gist, or you can, if you can try to find out a message that you're trying to convey to the audience, that would work in the best favors of your process. Next, we had a fourth speaker as Toastmaster as guest, Anthony. He's still, he's not there. I'll skip him out as well. Uh, fifth speaker was Natalia. She's also not there. I'll speak her as well. Skip her as well. Next, we had Francisca as a sixth speaker. Two of the three generations. Francesca, you had a lot. You could have spoken on it. Okay. You talked about the first thing that you would try to be lucky. You would ask Jeannie to grant your wish so that you can be lucky. You can bring in more ideas. You were not having any ideas, so you said, I would work on if I could talk about more ideas. You'd ask that particular wish. So try to elaborate more on this and bring in and the summary at the end of your speech. That would cover up the time limit as well as you can help out in the elaboration part so that it works well for us also, as well as you. Second last, we had uh, guest Harry. Three things in the morning, breakfast, gym. I couldn't note the third one, my bad. But yes, if you could have spoken up for a bit more time, if you could have elaborated on a breakfast, the gym activities that you try to do, we could have also loved it and we could have heard it in a much better experience. Lastly, we had Zane with us. The scariest movie seen and why? You are scared of uh, horror movies. That's a good thing. Even I'm scared of it. Okay. You talked about the Bollywood movie, but the name of the Bollywood movie was revealed at the last. If you could have revealed the name of the movie during the first few lines, or that would have inculcated a much better interest for us and would have worked in your favor as well. So try to summarize at the end and try to elaborate more on topics. Try to speak for the minimum duration. These are my uh, helping hands for you. So that's all from my side. Back to you, Toastmaster Chuban. So good evening, fellow Toastmasters and especially guests. Welcome to our open house. So the topic of my talk today is going to be the five stages of mastery. So I'm going to start my talk by asking just two questions. Nothing as taxing as that that you've just had with Toastmasters, so you can relax. My first question, and I'd really like a show of hands, is how many of you in our audience 
have heard of either Noel Birch or Martin Broadwell? Eugene, very good. Anyone else had heard of those? I must admit, for me, I hadn't. Okay, now, how many of you have heard of the concept of incompetently incompetent, comp incompetently incompetent, competently incompetent, uh, sorry, consciously, consciously incompetent, and then consciously competent? How many of you heard of that analogy? Or another way people often say it is, you don't know what you don't know, then you know what you don't know, then you know what you, and then it all ends with you know what you know. There's kind of four circles about that. How many of you were like, yeah, more hands up. So that I think quite a lot of us have heard of. It's been around for a very long time. It was introduced by those two authors, you separately, as far back as 1969, and they used, they called it the conscious competence ladder that defines our learning in really two domains. You had awareness, whether you were aware that you knew something or not, and competence, whether you were competent or not. And this has been used in popular psychology, and I'm sure Eugene, I don't know if you have done learning theory, but it's often used to illustrate how we learn and often the illustrations are for very cool, very physical processes so for my experience i've heard it used in the context of learning how to tie shoelaces how to drive how to ride a bike so very physical things and in popular psychology it's come across so often that i think it's really lost its purpose and in, in its impact because it was actually introduced as a way to understand how we learn everything, not just physical activities. Now, my, my problem with it is that I feel it's been overused and it doesn't serve its purpose, at least it hasn't for me. And I wanted to introduce you to a better paradigm that's a slight tweak, but I think it's more effective at really illustrating how we might learn the skills we use. I'm sure everyone in this audience, all of you, learn primarily cerebral things. So from books or learning course material, or if you're at working, you might learn how management skills work or on the job uh, learning. So it's much more cerebral, less purely physical. And this analogy doesn't apply itself to that so well. So I came across this five step process, and I think you'll find it useful too. So number one, is unawareness. You don't really know what you know, or you don't know, I beg your pardon. And then you have awareness. So you are aware of what you don't really know, or you don't understand it, but you know there's something there. Okay, so those two steps are about the same. Where it differs here is where we spend all of our time is trying to understand that component where you are trying to become competent in a skill. And this is broken down into two skills. This is broken down into cognitive mastery and emotional mastery. So how do they differ? Well, cognitive mastery is when you get to the point that you understand the topic. So whatever is you're learning for a test, you understand the framework, you understand the facts, but that's about as far as it goes. You can't apply it that well. 
but you understand if someone gave you a test like rote learning, you could answer all the questions well. And many of us in our life and in school get to cognitive mastery. We can answer the test, we can do very well, we can jump the hoops that we're told to jump through at work. But in fact, that doesn't make you a master in any subject. And it took me a long time to realize this. The next level is emotionally mastery. And this is where it starts to integrate into you. And so for instance, this, the analogy is more like a physical habit and a reaction time. You know the facts, but you don't have to think about them. If someone asks you a question like, where do you find this? Or how do you do this skill? You automatically know. It's starting to integrate into you. And then the final stage is full integration. You don't have to think about how you do that skill. And it, it's applicable to many things, such as if you manage people or you stand up and give a meeting. Where I found it most useful is in this scenario here, Toastmasters, of all places, in that I was stuck at cognitive mastery when I was doing evaluation. In Toastmasters, I attended meetings, but I didn't participate very much. But I knew all the ways that you could evaluate a meeting, how you can evaluate a speech. But I couldn't give the speech. And this is the difference between cognitive and mastery and integration. And what I found is that to integrate it, to be able to be a good speaker effortlessly versus someone who could analyze someone else's speech well, is that you have to be doing it to integrate it. You have to be doing it for it bits to become a habit so they become unconscious. So consciously competent or unconsciously competent is the point. And that doesn't happen by thinking things through. You have to do it. And my Toastmaster journey really accelerated, I would say this year, when I took up the mantle of making myself give more and more talks, watching that the skills that have become consciously incompetent automatically become consciously, no, unconsciously competent. And I think that holds true for many of the skills that we do today. You have to do it to get competent. And many things you have no choice at work. Toastmasters is one of those skills that if you step up, it can make a big difference to how competent you will be for the skills that you came here to learn. So thank you for listening. I hope you've taken something away from this. And I hope like me, you have a really successful Toastmaster career. Thank you. Hello, again. Um, yes, regarding the Rakesh speaker. Um, first, I want to say some uh, positive things on your speech, Rakesh. Um, it was quite interesting, the topic that you explored today. I think it was quite into psychological approach, the way that we can't develop some skill of something, conscious and unconscious. And I think it was very good um, intonation and fluence of your language. Um, was it uh, great? Um, also, the way that you, uh, at the beginning, um, ask participants to interact with you asking if they knew some keyword that you will explore and develop on your speech. 
So that was, uh, I think, quite quite good. Um, and also, um, you mentioned as example the Tomaster group, the Tomaster speakers, in a way of how we can develop consciously the skills, not consciously the skills, the work that you develop on your presentations. Um, in a quite tipped way, should I say, because that invites us to reflect about <laughs> how we uh, improve when we learn something. Um, that's it. And in terms of recommending something that can improve your presentation wreckage, the only thing maybe could have been to show us a presentation through a PowerPoint could have been a little bit more useful in terms of to visualize this five stage of mastery and also visualize example that you uh, develop with us. Um, in general, well, Raquel, you, you are one of the masters uh, as a speaker. You really, really do very well. It was very clear what you said, with intonation, um, quite serious at the beginning, should I say. <laughs> I remember the previous speech, um, you were more like a, a body language. This, this time wasn't maybe because of the, the the, the approach of this uh, presentation, but in general, it was, it was, it was very, very good. That's it. Excellent. Thank you so much, Chuka, Bellatos Masters, and honored guests. I'm going to begin this presentation with a screen share here, and I want everyone to just tell me what you think this is, or tell me what it is. I just try and, oh, uh, Chuka, can you allow me to screen share, please? Oh, great, thank you. Okay, let's go with that. All right, let's move this a little bit. Okay, so who can tell me what this is? It's a meme template. Yes, it's a meme template, excellent, yes. And now I go to my next question. What is a meme? Let's go around, maybe get two, three responses. Your personal take on what is a meme? Something that you can relate to yourself and it makes you like uh, asso associate to the issue or in a sarcastical and a humorously way. Humorous Very way. analytical response there. Excellent. Who, who, let's get another respondent. What do you think is a meme? Don't be shy. I don't bite. Something funny on the internet, but something that can be shared around specifically. Okay, something that's that very be? shareable. That's good. That's excellent. I expect that from the Bloomberg Bloomberg employee to think of it in business terms. Excellent. Let's get one more respondent. What is a meme? A joke with a picture along with it. A joke with a picture around it. That is good. A meme can be a variety of things. For me, at least, a meme is, is something that very clearly tells you what the joke's going to be, what the format of the joke's going to be. 
When you see this picture of Sean Bean slash Boromir in Lord of the Rings, and for those of us who are familiar with what this meme is, you kind of know what the punchline is going to be somewhat, right? Is that a fair thing to say? That you kind of know where the joke's going to go? Interestingly enough, a meme and memes tell a great lesson about public speaking. And I'm going to reveal this lesson a little bit further down in the presentation. But before I reveal that lesson, though, I need to do another little, I guess you could say, excursion into memes. And that is by doing an exercise with all of you here. I'm going to stop my share here. What I have here in, the, in my hand, if can people see, can people just see the sheet of paper? Yes, yes, good. Yes, yes, good. Yes. All right, great. Fantastic. This sheet contains a story. This story, very short, has a whole collection of memes that are referenced. And I hope for everyone here to really pay attention and try to find the memes that exist within the story. And for those who just may not be as familiar with what memes are or just going like, oh, this is just so weird, I don't know what to look for, just listen for weird or unusual parts of the story to you. Like what's unusual to you? And what we'll do is I'll read the story and then afterwards we'll come together to mention what memes are referenced or what you guys found to be a little bit odd about the story. Any questions before I read it? No, everyone good? Okay, here we go. A friend, Raffle, and I decided to travel via helicopter, nicknamed Rafflecopter. As our Rafflecopter went whoosh, 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 Raffle turned to me and uttered, did you know the doctors in London did surgery on a grape? Startled by such a bewildering conversation starter, I asked him to repeat himself, hoping I heard Raffle incorrectly. Perhaps the cacophony of sound stemming from a fully operational helicopter significantly altered what I heard, hopefully. Raffle simplified his original statement as he tried to clarify, as he tried to repeat what he said. They did surgery on a grape. And this is a conversation starter. Fantastic. Discussing a medical procedure done to a grape is certainly a very common topic of conversation, as we are all very well aware of, right? Right? I stare at Raffle, such that my face remarkably resembled a surprised Pikachu. I was perpetually confused. Why on earth would you mention surgery on a grape? As a means to discuss something with me, we've, we've been friends for a while now. Why would this be a conversation starter, a topic that even would cross your mind to go, hey, let's discuss this, discuss this with Eugene. Do I look like an internet dictionary? All I could simply say was, think, Raffle, think. Is surgery on a grape a viable way to start talking with someone? Is it? Raffle sat there, stunned. A long lull in conversation then seeped in. We quietly just look away from one another in, in a very awkward phase, hoping that one or the other does not really start talking again. 
We're just hoping for the helicopter ride to be over, and then we can just move on with our friendship without discussing surgery on a grape. But then Raffle had to open his big mouth. Raffle then said, after what seemed to be an eternity of silence, so I watched a documentary about the CIA. Eugene, are we the baddies? And as the conclusion of this little short story, now let's do a little debrief here. Just people in the audience, what memes did you hear or what parts of the story just seemed unusual to you? Surgery on a grape. Surgery on a grape. That's, a, that, that, that's good. Glad you caught that one. What else? Wait, I think Harry, you wanted to say something? Raffle is the acronym. Raffle copter. Yes, that's an yeah, old yeah, school yeah. meme. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then let's see. Let's get a couple more responses here. What else was unusual or memes you found? Confused Pikachu was a meme. Confused Pikachu, yes, or startled, surprise, you know, whole myriad. It's a different version, same thing. And let's get one more respondent. Any meme or something that was surprising about this short story? Well, they ended up being the bad guys. <laughs> yes, that's, 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 that is indeed unusual. The reason that I bring up this story is I want to emphasize a significant point about public speaking, which is when we do speeches, when we come up here to talk, we often forget to tell the audience what to look for. What are the things that matter to them? Did you notice what I did at the start? I said, look for me or look for something unusual. The reason I did that was because it allows the audience to pay attention more closely to what I am saying. Does that make sense to everyone here? Did you feel like you listened a little more closely? Once I said, hey, look for X or look for Y. Yeah. Yes. See a bunch of yes. And that's a significant and really great technique of public speaking is when you go up to an audience, it's a large audience, a wide audience of different experiences, one that's perhaps more driven by data and others that are driven by stories. You can simply say, for my data folks in the back, listen to this particular part of my presentation. This will really be helpful to you. And then you say, for my people who love personal stories, here's a story right here that will really hopefully connect to you. It's not about the fact that all everyone in the audience is going to relate to that same topic. But if we are able to communicate very clearly what someone should listen for, they're going to likely remember our speech better. And that's why memes are a great way to tell us about public speaking, because they're straightforward and they pretty much telegraph to you what, you're, what, you ex what to expect. Much like how I telegraph to you guys what to expect to look for within this short story. I encourage all of you here to try and think of ways to directly tell your audience what they should look for. What are the important pieces of information that they should have completely stuck in their brain? So that way your audience will remember very important parts of your presentation. And in that way, your speech becomes memorable. You don't need to be Martin Luther King. You don't need to be Abraham Lincoln. You don't need to be Alison Crawley. But what you can be, though, is a speaker who's able to make your speeches memorable by simply
simply saying, pay attention to this. Toastmaster. Cool. Hi, everyone. <clears throat> so a lot of times I'm not even sure where to begin with evaluations, and this is one of them. So for the first, the first thing I'll say is that Eugene had really great interaction with the audience throughout his entire speech, really, you know, through the beginning, the middle and the end, even including that group discussion at the end, it was really, the audience was really involved in what Eugene was saying, which made his speech all the more engaging just with everyone. Um, Eugene had really good use of screen sharing. So right at the beginning, I thought just showing an, Im an image was um, great. It wasn't some very complicated slide. It was, it was very simple and easy to sort of understand how it was being used. Eugene's story was really entertaining. Um, as someone who, well, I probably didn't pick up every meme, but I like to think I picked up a fair few. I found it very funny and it definitely did help me um, pay attention to what he was saying, which I thought was very meta because I literally was typing in my evaluation document that the fact that Eugene uses a story is a really great way to get people to pay attention to his speech. Little did I know that Eugene knew this already because he's, he's a clever guy. So that was basically already evaluated for me. Um, yeah, that entire, that entire way of speaking was, was great. And it was really educational for all of us. And I think we all learned how to get people to engage with our speeches a bit more. Overall, um, Eugene had really good eye contact with the audience. He also, I liked his hand gestures. They weren't too distracting. So I thought they were pretty, it looked like Eugene was talking very naturally. And Eugene was also speaking very confidently, which is something I really like in all of Eugene's speeches. And really there isn't much I could fault with his speech. I could only point out the good stuff. It was, um, it, it was a really good speech. So back to Chuka, I think. <laughs>